Hello, I'm your host, Callum Insel, and welcome back to the Rugby League Review in association with Prost International. We're back with yet another episode. We've got another guest, and it's one that's been requested, and I'm, I'm made up to be hosting it myself. I just want to welcome him. Welcome Warrens and Wolves fullback, Steph Ratchford. How are you, Steph? Hey, mate. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. As- over the course of the episode, we'll be bringing you a lengthy chat with the uh, with the Wig- uh, Warrington man. We'll be talking to him about all things rugby league, how he got into the game, his time at Warrington, all the dramas COVID-19's caused, and obviously his testimonial season, which we'll get onto that in a, in a little while. Joining me today, we've got Ethan and Josh. But more importantly, it's time for the interview. I just want to get into it. And first of all, what, what we like to ask all the guests is how you got into the game. Um... <coughs> So I've got I've got two brothers. I've got uh, an older brother and a younger brother. Uh, my older brother played rugby. I think obviously being from Wigan, pretty much the whole family, uh, from uncles, dads, you know, all that sort of stuff. As, as long as I can remember, all family members are involved involved with rugby. So uh, yeah, I had an older brother. He played down at Saint Cuthbert's, and kind of the er- the earliest memory I've I've kind of got is being about five or six year old and just. Kind of being being there, being on the field with with a rugby ball, um, and speaking to different people and having different conversations. Uh, obviously, with my testimonial coming up, like I say, people have been like, "Oh, I remember you when you were three, four year old, and you used to run around outside at pitch." And I'm like, "Oh, well, I don't remember that." But yeah, so I kind of got into it that way. Like I said, we we've been from Wigan. It's just obviously rugby mad, and yeah, went down when my brother used to play and train. I think I just basically go around and, and run around with a rugby ball pretty much my my whole childhood. And yeah, obviously started. Started playing down at St. Cuthbert's and then moved on to St. Pat's. And what was that like, obviously, going through the youth system there? And, and did you sort of envisage yourself becoming the player you are today? No, not really. Like I say, it's, um, uh, you know, like I keep saying, it's, you know, being from Wigan, it's just rugby. Everything's just rugby. Um, obviously, you know, recently, Latics had a bit, bit of success with getting up to the Premier League and all that sort of stuff. But, it's, it's, you know, through my childhood, it was all about, you know, if you're from Wigan, you play rugby, all that sort of stuff. So I was just pretty much like every other kid. You know, you go down, you train once or twice in the week. You train on a Saturday morning, and you'd be, you know, game time on on a Sunday. So <clears throat> yeah, that was pretty much my my child. And then I uh, got to uh, so the the weirdly enough though, I keep saying this about from Wigan, everyone's rugby. The primary school that I went to never had any rugby in uh, involved in in the primary school. So I used to play at I say at St Cuthbert's. Um, and then back then it was Wigan schoolboys or St. Helens schoolboys, Warrington schoolboys, wherever it was. Um, a letter come around saying, do you have any rugby players? We've got uh, trials for under 11 Wigan schools. Uh, but at this time, uh, I was only under 10s. But well, it was me and my mate used to used to play. So the, the school centres then was year above and I ended up getting picked for the year above Wigan schoolboys. So I was like, oh, I must be doing, kind of doing something right here. And that's kind of what led to the fallout at St Cuthbert's uh, and that's how I ended up moving on to St Pat's and then as you progress like you say you, you do alright you get picked for a couple of town teams and I think probably the, the weird one for me where it kind of put stuff into thing where I didn't kind of people said you know like you get people saying oh you're, you're good at rugby blah, blah, but whenever it comes to like any maybe from being about 14 years old any any sort of like Lancashire's uh, England schoolboys all that sort of stuff I never I never got selected for anything like that so I was kind of like, well, I must be all right, but obviously not good enough to to kind of do anything with it. And then, um, yeah, went to Salford uh, as a left-cent pats. And yeah, the, you know, the kind of story goes on from there. 
And we'll just fast forward to to now. COVID nineteen, obviously, we'll have to talk about it. What's it sort of been like navigating your way through it and the the various challenges it's thrown to you as a player? Yeah, it was it was really difficult to be honest. Uh, I think you're obviously not not only for for us as as players, but you know for for everyone for life in general. I think it was you know a real difficult time. Um, you know, we were probably one of the fortunate fortunate ones where you know after I think we had maybe had about six or eight weeks off or however long it was, but after that we kind of got back to yeah we we were back in training, we were back playing games, we were kind of still doing the job that were you know, we're supposed to be doing, albeit under different circumstances with no crowds and certain restrictions and all that sort of stuff. But we were quite fortunate in the way that we could kind of carry on with our jobs. You've seen people kind of losing jobs, losing businesses and all that. And like I say, we we had a few conversations along the way during lockdown, um, not only as, as a club, but as, as rugby league as a whole. We, you know, some senior players from different clubs and, you know, different players unions and all this. And it was kind of like, you know, there's actually a real, a real chance here that some clubs could go bust, you know, go bust. Sorry, and uh, and people are going to be losing their jobs, and then what's the knock-on effect for the rest of the league? So yeah, it was, it was actually at the time you're probably a bit blinkered, thinking, oh well, it's all right, I'll be back in training in a few weeks, and I'll I'll be back playing, and you, you just crack on with it that way. But now looking back, and like I said, the the actual reality of what what could have happened was, you know, it's quite scary, really. And obviously, with the COVID times, you had to play games behind closed doors. What was that like? With obviously, no fans there, Steph. Weird, <laughs> really weird. <clears throat> the first game we we played, we played at uh, Headingley, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was kind. Of, I think we were. We I think we we were the second game on, and we kind of got there as as we'd gone out for warm up, and the other teams were just finishing off or whatever it was and or they just finished and you got out there and it was like well you can still hear the lads talking who were, who were coming off the field so whoever whoever the two teams you can hear them talking to each other and then we got into a warm-up and then obviously you can hear your your lads talking as well but then you can hear what the other team are saying as well and it's like this is really really weird and, and the first couple of games like say it were really weird almost like a glorified training session uh so it, it was you know really difficult but then after them, a couple of weeks kind of adjusted us to, you know, right, this is the reality of, of the situation we're in at the moment. So kind of got used to it, being behind closed doors and uh, obviously got to the end of the year. And then we finished and we thought, well, we'll have crowds back by next year. Started off the year, or started off the season just gone, behind closed doors again. It was kind of like going back to the first thing. And you're like, what is going on here? But then on the flip side, we played... Huddersfield the first game back when you could have crowds and we only I think it were limited to 4,000 we had 4,000 in at the HJ <clears throat> come out and it was like there was 40,000 because the note because you had no noise for eight months or whatever it had been so then kind of go into this I know it'd be over 12 months actually weren't from uh last one but just the noise to have from nothing to 4,000 was absolutely insane yeah was it a case of you had to adapt back to having fans again, obviously having a whole season really with no fans. Almost, yeah, and I, and I think uh, we probably we ended up actually losing that game against Huddersfield, and we probably got a bit guilty of getting caught up in the the finger. Our fans are back in, um, you know. Like I said, we're kind of probably we'd spoke about enjoying having the fans back and enjoying that game. There's going to be crowd. There's going to be noise. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. 
well, we probably come home, we're, we're probably always a bit like, wow, how good's this? Like, how good are our fans? How good's this? So, and probably kind of got lost in, certainly the first half, I'd say, obviously we found ourselves, I think, 20 points down at half time or whatever it is. And then second half, we went in and was like, well, that was a big disappointment for the four thousand that have come in, the 17 lads that are playing who have, you know, been so excited for Crow to be back and, and all that sort of stuff. And, but yeah, like I say, it was almost adjusting back to, you'd kind of start getting used to having no crowds again. Then all of a sudden you're thrown in with 4,000, especially, and it probably got to us, like I said, we wanted to enjoy the occasion and kind of put a bit of a show on for the fans and ended up doing the complete opposite, really. Um, I might be completely way off with this, but whilst you're sort of shouting instructions to each other, in an empty stadium, how does that, did that differ at all? Because obviously then there's no background noise, the other team can just hear exactly kind of what you're aiming to do. Is that, was that something you had to get around? Um, it is, but I mean, you probably know most clubs have different calls for certain players, but the play, obviously the, the players are the same player, so you, you can kind of see what the setup of a play is going to be anyway, regardless of what they're saying. And it, obviously it's still, you've still kind of got to defend it, but yeah, like you say, quite funny, but we played, um, we played Castleford, uh, the start of this year at Headingley and Paul McShane kept saying this call and then after about 20 minutes into the game or whatever it was I clicked on to what this player was and I started to, every time he mentioned it I kept shouting it back to him or shouting to him I said this is what's coming lads and I seen him looking at me going where have you even like picked this up but like you said because you can hear what the calls are if it's, if it's a repeated call you can kind of pick up on it along the way and yeah I suppose it does it does help to your advantage that you know what's coming but the hard part is still having to defend it anyway. And um, about the sort of season as a whole, how do you how do you assess the outcome of it? Uh, for us, very frustrating, very disappointing. Um, I think we'd actually got to a point probably this year where it was probably our, one of our better year. We everyone kind of knew what, what they had to do and what they had to deliver. Um, I think the previous years we was a bit, probably a bit scatty in, in a few ways around that and um, various different bits. But this year I actually felt we got to a point where everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows what we need to be successful and um, everyone's aiming for the same same thing. Everyone wants the same outcome. And we actually got to a point where it was probably one of our, our better terms uh, a better season in terms of consistency because we'd gone from we knew we had a nine or a ten out of ten in us but then we could go from a ten to a four and we was like right we've got to narrow this gap and make it if we're not a ten or we're not a nine we need to be a seven so you your performance is a lot better and I think we actually did that for a lot longer periods this year I mean but then we would still throw the odd terrible performance in which you're just you know really frustrated but what we actually had as a group this year I think it, it showed with with certain performance you know the Catalan away um, Saints away Leeds away uh, we had you know three four good wins against Wigan where it is and, and that probably showed us were like we know we can do them sort of performances but the frustrating was still trying to get rid of the the ones that were really poor and obviously ultimately in the end it was one of those really, really bad off days that cost us, cost us our place in the comp, but, you know, against all KR. Yeah, and, you, and you, you talk about 
You talk about the, you know, the the th- the parts of the side that you can get to those nine out of ten performances. You know, you're you're a clear threat as a side, and it's pretty much every season Warrington are nailed on for the playoffs. You know, from the media and things like that. Do you think that is part of the problem, or do you think, especially with Daryl Powell coming in, I think he's probably gonna from a, from from outside looking in, I think he's gonna change the sort of mentality of of just Warrington being one of the rest and trying to get to the playoffs rather than being, oh, look, we're going to get into the playoffs this season. But do you think you can see the side still competing to the levels you have been in 2022 and beyond under Powell? Or do you think it might take a bit of time? Um, it's a weird one because, like you said, we've, the media nails on for Warrington are one of the favourites, Warrington this and blah, blah, blah. And then people, have, it comes to the playoffs every year and people go, if we, especially obviously when we when we lose, we've done it for the last three years. Yeah, last three years we've gone out first round. We go, can't handle the pressure, can't handle this, can't handle that. But then you look on the other side and you go, well, Challenge Cup, Warrington are favourites every year, and we've won four, five out of the last ten, eleven, whatever it's been. So I don't think it's it's almost like the the pressure side is not irrelevant because obviously the pressure's there, but I don't think it comes down to that. Um, I think it's just sometimes we probably get too comfortable in, in a situation because we know the team that we can be and what we're capable of, of performing to. And then we, like I said, we, we throw these performances where we go, no, nah, it's all right, we, we'll win this game, we'll win this game. And then you go 10-0 down, 12-0 down, 14-0, and you go, no, nah, it's all right, we'll still win this game. And then you, and it's just kind of as the reverse effect, you start trying that little bit harder. I think, actually, we should have scored 10 points or 12 points by now and we're, we're still on zero on it kind of has the adverse effect on you. But um, I think moving forward, like I said, we've we've uh, got a lot of changes this year, a lot of players leaving, um, you know, obviously a big turnover in, in coaching staff and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, you know, it's a big year for the club moving moving forward. But I think, you know, like I said, Warrington is Warrington and Warrington is Warrington for a reason. So there's no doubt in my mind that these next, you know, I, I don't want to say how many years, but literally for the, as long as you can think of Warrington are going to be, you know, the, one of the teams who who have, who have to be mentioned as favourites or one of the favourites every single year. Yeah, and just quickly before we go back to Ethan, you know, you you partly answered it in that question, but if you could put it down to one or two things, what where do you think you know the club as a whole or the team are going wrong, especially in the last three years? You know, getting to that point and then sort of falling off the bike. Um. Like I said, probably getting too comfortable within ourselves. We know, you know, like I said, we play, and this is not me saying like disrespectful to anyone else, but we play Saints, we go into that game as Saints are favourites. We play Catalan, we go into that game where Catalan are favourites. The last few years we play Wigan, we go into that game, we're going to favourites. And it, it kind of helps you raise your game and all that sort of stuff, thinking, well, you know, we can actually do something here by going Saints and winning or going to Wigan and winning or whatever it is. But then we get the games where, like I said, we're thinking, well, we're at home, we're in a playoff, we're in a home, we're good in playoffs, we're good in knockout comps or whatever it is. And you probably relax a little bit too much or things don't go the way they should do after 15, 20 minutes. And then the, the team starts thinking, oh, actually, what's going on here? We should be winning and or we should be out of sight or whatever it is. And you try that a little bit too hard and then it just goes, like I say, it has the adverse effect and you kind of go the wrong way. So probably just, a, you know, it's probably a, 
a bit of a, a weekly focus to focus on each, you know, take the game each week rather than kind of thinking, well, this week's going to be a really hard week. This week's going to be a, a medium. You know what I mean? And you kind of got to approach each game with, with the same mentality. I suppose that that's probably what it comes down to. You've got to approach, you know, and I'm not saying everyone doesn't, but obviously it's shown over the last few years where we've gone into certain games and obviously we've not had the right mentality or we've not had the right whatever it is. And we've, like I said, we've come up short ultimately. Just analysing what you're saying there, Seth, um, and the way you've mentioned the, the Saints away win, the Leeds away win, the Wigan away win, is it a factor really that you know you're going there and you know it's going to be tough and you've got to be on your game and it obviously you're going to be against the crowd, whereas the home fixtures, you know, you're going into them as favourites, you've got the crowd with you. I think, like I said, I think that's the, that's exactly what it is. Like I said, we, you know, you, you're going, you know, you're going to Saints away, like I said, they've, they've obviously now three times, but they've previously, obviously, looking at last year, they've, they've won it for the last two years, they've challenged Cups, they've this, they've that. But, you know, more consistent team over a long period of time. So you go there, you think, I'm not going to get any calls off uh, the crowds. Obviously, they're all going to be on your back. Every 50-50 call, the crowd are going to be on the ref's back to try and influence him. They're going to be booing you. They're going to be cheering. Like I say, you know you're going there as as the underdog. But like I say, at all, you probably you probably do relax that little bit more. I think, well, we're at all, all the crowds on our side. You're going to get them 50-50s. And like I say, it's probably, that that's basically what, what it comes down to. And we've just got to, like I say, we've, suppose you've probably got to flip that mentality and think right we've got to you know approach each game as it is and treat every game in the same way mm-hmm. and um obviously we mentioned the playoffs you've you know last three years uh, kr cas and fc obviously looking back at 2018 it, it was kind of that factor really you went to saints you got the win you were massive underdogs and you obviously made the grand final yeah and it's like you say it's weird because you, you'd probably say as you know, as a squad of whole, and like I was mentioning when we first started, that the stuff that we've achieved over the last couple of years and the stuff that we've kind of implemented and people have bought into it, it's not, it hasn't just been this year. It's It's been a bit of a project since <clears throat> since Price has come in. You know, we started off in uh, 17 when he, or 18, sorry, uh, at the end of 17 when obviously Tony left and, and Price come in and he kind of changed the mentality of what, you know, from what, we'd had previously and he brought players in and got them to buy into that mentality and over the last four years we, I think we have seen especially within I suppose the, the four walls of the training you know whatever you want to call it training field it's um, you know in them four sides we have seen a progression in in different stuff in mentality and the way people approach stuff and all that sort of things um, so yeah it's like I say it's, it's, it's just been bizarre because like I said, we we have, we have been progressing, but then, like I say, you look at the last three years' results when we've got to the playoffs and we've been knocked out every round, which just, it's bizarre, but it's also not acceptable. You know, you talk about the Challenge Cup success um, in 2019 and, you know, as a, as a fan, thanks for that. You know, it's, it's the it's the first trophy, I'll, it's the tro- only trophy I've seen us win since I've, I've been supporting the club. But from that point, you know, where did the sort of, not so much where did it go wrong, but how do you think the club didn't go on to win anything else in, in 2020 and 2021 under Price, who obviously was the guy to bring bring us the Challenge Cup? Mate, I wish I wish I knew the answer. 
like you said, from it, it probably stems back to it even further. You know, you look at uh, from when I first joined the club, 2012, my first year, we won the Challenge Cup, and I was thinking, how good is this? I've never played in a playoff game before. I've never been past the Challenge Cup quarterfinal before. I've won it. Then we made the grand final. You're thinking, well, we're playing Leeds. We've, we know how to beat Leeds. We beat them a few months ago in a big game. Then we get beat by Leeds. Then the year after, I think, well, we'll just get back there and win that. Yeah, we got there in 2013, lost that game. Same again in six, fifth, 16. And the same. So there's been, you know, ever since I've been at the club, there's been signs that we're about to do something really good. Um, I think six, was it 16? We league leaders made the Challenge Cup final and made the grand final. So, like I said, the, the, it's always been there. We've just kind of fell at that final hurdle and it's really frustrating and, and it's so hard to put your finger on one thing, like I said, because it, it does seem like every year I've been here, and like I said, I know I said the four years that, you know, Price has been in charge, but probably the whole time I've been here, you know, the club's progressing and the squad's progressing and all that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, it's just, Honestly, it's so frustrating. It's like it happened, and it happened. You think, I'd, like, say, you, you literally come off and you go, "I don't understand how that's just happened again." And with Daryl Powell coming in, um, you know, we we hope that sort of changes and seeing what he's done at Castleford, taking them from a sort of bottom four side to a con- to a competitor. Do you think? Well, well, well just from a, a, a senior player's point of view, what do you think he'll bring to the club? Uh, I've had a couple of chats with the cast lads and you know they say he's really good he's really detailed and um, like I said the, the the stuff he's done with Cass he's done he's done an amazing job there like I said I don't know where they were when he took over but you look where, like I said where they've got to under his you know his leadership they've, they've won a league leaders they've made a grand final they've uh, made Challenge Cup final so um, yeah they are you know he has really progressed them over over the time he's been there and hopefully that's something you know, it's every year is about progression, and you know we, you know, obviously it's going to be his first year next year. So, but he'll still be looking at some sort of progression from what we've done this year, whether that's like I said, going from nines to sixes. If he wants to close it nines to sevens, that's progression, and that might just get us that one step further. And but no, like I say, he's, speaking to the cast lads, you know, apparently he's a really He's a really good bloke to work with. He's, you know, very detailed in, in his approach to everything, and you know, he always wants the best for the lads. So it'll be, you know, it's going to be, like I say, exciting times with with a, a lot of turnover in staff. There's a lot of new faces coming in, so it's, you know, it's exciting times. We've got some some real good young kids coming through as well. So it's, you know, it's looking very positive. Have you had a chance to speak to him? Yes. I've had a I've had a couple of chats with him over the phone. Uh, we was he's been doing little bits of meetings. I was due to go in a meeting but I've uh, just had a knock so I can't drive at the moment so but yeah I've had, I've had a couple of chats over the phone with him and you know the stuff he's saying and hopefully what I've said back to him he's he's kind of bought into as well and no I'm, like I say it's, it's one of the things I'm, I'm really looking forward to if you you know like I say you look at what he's done with Cass and the way he's developed players and I, not not only has he developed young lads he's also developed or helped develop older players into you know, adding stuff onto their game. So yeah, it's something I'm I'm really looking forward to is, is working with him. And last season, obviously you played fullback for the majority, but you did play a couple of different positions, obviously with Matty Ashton as well, playing fullback. Has him and obviously his development pushed you on as well to improve yourself, because knowing he's behind you wanting that spot? 
Yeah, I think since I've been at Warrington, you know, there's always been probably when I first went, there was someone in front of me, and you know, Brett Hodgson was there, so he, you know, Brett was in front of me, and all that, and then I kind of ended up ended up at fullback. But uh, before Matty come, uh, Josh Fulis was there, and I, I think Josh is Josh is an outstanding player, he's an outstanding talent. So yeah, you're always you know you're always going to have that that one person who, or in our case, we've got numerous people who, who are going to be pushing you on. So. For me, like like I said, it's regardless of how old you are, you always want to, you always wanted to learn, you always wanted to progress. So, yeah, nothing nothing changed for me. Like I said, obviously Matty's been playing well um, when he's been fit. Josh has been playing really well, you know, for the last couple of years. So yeah, we've we've always had players pushing on, and like I said, the good thing is that we're all kind of willing to learn off each other as well. Um, so yeah, it's, like I said, the, the more competition, the stronger your squad is, the more you know, more players are playing well in that squad. It it only benefits the squad as a whole. If you know, if you've got 17 players playing well, and you've got six lads who are on the fringes and the you know, kind of right up your backside. It you've got 23 players playing well. You know what I mean? So it it, it helps the squad as a whole. And looking back to last season, that the I think the one the one game that was probably a highlight for for most fans is is the Leeds away game. Um, you know, George Williams, well, you could say the George Williams effect, but what was that like? Obviously, him signing and then coming into the side. And I suppose it was before that with the Danny Walker try to get the team back in the game. But just being around him in the dressing room, obviously the success he had at Wigan and then the win at, the, the win at Leeds, just, you know, what was that all like? And I suppose with him and, and Widdop in the halves next season, I suppose you're going to be looking for more moments like that next season. Yeah, be careful what I say because uh, Brad Dwyer's still crying uh, <laughs> about that tackle on Josh Charlie in the corner. So uh, I just walked past me back door, still stomping around. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, like I said, George is, um, you know, he, he's kind of proven in, you know, the the successes had, you know, at Wigan, you know, not only as an individual player, but like I say, he's been in. He's been in winning setups. He's I won't like to think, you know, what will they have? Three, probably three, four grand final wins. He'll he'll probably have a challenge cup in there somewhere. So like I say, he he's got that winning mentality. He knows what what teams need to to drive and to, you know, strive for, for success and, and be successful. So um yeah, it's great coming in and I've known George for well, you know, a lot of years now and he he, he was always really quiet, never never used to say much out to him. He used just get a laugh off him every now and again. <laughs> he won't say much, but obviously, I think his his last year at Wigan, he really kind of developed, and he went over to the NRL. And I think what he did over there, he had, you know, he, he was playing really, really well. He was getting a lot of plaudits, and I think that's that's really developed him, you know, coming on and like kind of organising and speaking, and you know, he's, he's probably a lot more confident in him in himself. So he, you know, to refer to George, especially coming in as a halfback, it's. It's kind of always difficult to come in three quarters away through a season or whatever it was, and then start, you know, telling your forwards what to do, telling your hooker what to do, telling your fullback where you want him. And George, he'll probably not mind me saying this, probably three years ago, I thought he, he wouldn't have been able to do that, but now he's kind of got this new newfound belief in himself almost, where he's he's come in, he's done that, and like I say, he's bossed people around. I think, um, you know, there's probably a number of people who. Who would have given that drop goal a shot, that, you know, at Leeds? But George, like I say, he'd come in, kind of his first game, and just went right, give me the ball, I'll knock this one over for you. <laughs> and there he is, he gets, you know, but match winner. But that's just like I said, that that shows how far he's, he's developed recently. And 
I know he wasn't the captain last season and Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes was, but now that Chris Hill's gone, especially with some of the new faces you've got coming into the team, um, do you think it's it's the sort of role of yourself and people like Daz Clark and the other senior players in the side to sort of step up and sort of take that leadership on as well as Jack? Uh, yeah, I think we I think we do that anyway. Um, you know, it's I, I've been quite lucky of you know if since Lee stepped out. Well, when Lee was captain, if he didn't play, I kind of stepped into that role. And uh, when Hughes didn't play, obviously Lee had stepped down. I did it a couple of times last year, so it's something you know it's something I, I do really enjoy. But there's you, you kind of look for our group, and there's there's a lot of leaders within. Uh, like I said, I put myself in there. You got, like I said, Gaz. You know, we have got George, Mike Cooper, Jack Hughes, Joe Philbin. Even though he's obviously a bit younger, uh, I've seen Danny Walker, captain England Knights, last week or two weeks ago. So, like I said, there is there is a lot of leaders within within that, and I'm I'm sure Jack will be you know the first one who'll, who'll say you know these boys don't give me a hand, don't mind giving me a hand, and kind of putting a bit of authority about the place. So. Um, I think last year we had a we kind of always done captains and vice captains and all that sort of stuff. I know we had the joint captains, and then last year we had a bit of a, a senior player, so there's a few of us in that. Um, so obviously I'm not sure what route Daryl's going to go down, whether he'll go captain and a vice or whether he'll go a leadership group. But I think regardless of of the situation of what what Daryl does, I think there'll be. Like I said there'll always be lads there who who are willing to support the the lads who are named as or as as vice captains or as as leader you know leadership groups so yeah i think they'll he'll always have that support there and you know jack jack's really good he's he's one who's also willing to learn even even though he's the captain it's kind of not do as i say it's kind of like what do you think of this and if you know if, if a few of the senior lads agree that that's the right thing to to do or the the right way to go about stuff then then Jack will put that to the group, but he's he's definitely not afraid to to help you know to ask for help within within his leadership role. Obviously, with new and you going on the podcast, we've uh, put a couple of tweets out on and on our Instagram page asking for some questions from Warrington and also Super League fans to put to you. So if it's okay, we're going to fire a couple at you now. Let's see what you've got from me. See if I can answer them. <laughs> okay. Well, first up from Kirsty, nice and easy. What is the most memorable match in which you've played in? Most memorable match. Uh, this is a question, actually. Weirdly enough, I always really struggle to answer. Uh, there's probably there's probably numerous. Um, obviously, making your debut is always special. Um, obviously, international debut, winning the Challenge Cup. Um, oh, wow, most. Oh. I think for for what it was. Uh, I think I'd probably say the, the Challenge Cup in 2012. Um, like I mentioned before, coming from Salford, it was kind of... I know they played in the playoffs in, in the Championship. Uh, I don't think we got past the Challenge Cup quarter-final and then obviously moved to Warrington. And I think within, what would it be, six, seven months of being there, I'm lifting the Challenge Cup. So I'll go for Challenge Cup 2012. OK. Next one. Who is your rugby league idol and also an idol not, invo- not involved in rugby league? Uh, a rugby league idol. Um, bit of a weird one. This it's uh, Brad Fittler. <laughs> so I said, be, being a kid, kind of growing up, um, just got massively into rugby. And then as I, as I got a bit older, I, I, I remember it. So 
when I said we used to go train on a Saturday morning, there used to always be NRL on Sky. So at the time I was getting a bit older, <clears throat> I used to think I was a standoff. And for some reason it was either State of Origin was on or Sydney Roosters were on. And Brad Fittler was standoff and he was captain. And I was like, right, that's what I want to be. I want to be a standoff and I want to be captain. So, yeah, Brad Fittler, I'd probably say. And who, who was someone you looked up to in the sporting capacity but who wasn't involved in the rugby league? Uh, not involved in rugby league. Um, oh, I don't, I'd, I'd have to have a think about that one, actually. It's put me on the spot there. I can't give you an answer, sorry. And obviously, is there any other sports you have an interest in? Yeah, well, recently I've uh, well, I've been a been a football fan kind of kind of all my life. Probably Stephen Gerrard, actually, he'll be. I give yeah. give Stevie G the nod for a non rugby league one. Um, yeah, football. Uh, recently got into golf a bit more than just playing once every eighteen months with someone else's borrowed club. So, yeah, spend a bit of time on the golf course trying to trying to pass some time, trying to get competitive. But uh, Lee Brazier takes the money on that one, unfortunately, every time. What have you got a handicap? Yeah, it's it's very high though. I'm not. I'm not going to say it. On here. I don't want anyone abusing me. It. You now, to be fair, it's it's high, but it, since I've joined, I've actually had a. I've actually had a nightmare since I've joined golf. Um, so I've joined. Joined at the end of. Two thousand. Was it eight? No, joined in in two thousand eighteen. Kind of got used to what clubs did what. Yeah. Two thousand nineteen. I thought, right, this is my year. Ruptured my pec. So I thought, right, 2020 is going to be here, and then COVID happened. So, yeah, I've not been not been very good. So, I should be. I play. I think my handicap's 22. I should. I should be probably about 17, 18. So, but like I said, Breezy, Breezy, you on? He's. Um, I think Breezy's off about two point odd. So, just hopefully he won't hear though, because his head will get even bigger than it already is. Is there any other lads who in the in the Warrington team who, who play? Uh, who is the Chris Hill players? Obviously, I know he's gone now, but there used to be quite a lot. Um, and then they kind of all all left or finished. But uh, a few of the young lads have started getting into it. Like Josh Fulis got into. I think Matty Ashton's got some clubs. Uh, Riley Dean. Uh, who else was there? We had Danny Walker on here a couple. Uh, was it last week? A week before? And he said he's, he's getting into it, so he might be down there with you. Yeah, he says he's he's been going driving range. Said so he's considering getting some clubs. Jack Hughes says he's considering getting some clubs, but I, I think he's too tight to pay for some, so he'll probably, I don't know what he'll do if he plays, he'll probably kick it around or something. Mm-hmm. Another question to ask you, what job would you have done if you weren't a rugby league player? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, from, from being a kid, obviously you always wanted to be a rugby player, and then I got to, kind of like I mentioned before, the age of, I don't get picked for any of this and I don't get picked for any of that. So I'm probably going to have to start looking at doing something. And then I think it was, uh, sort of it been like 14, 15-ish. And then I went, ended up going down to Salford and Salford like, oh, yeah, actually quite good. I think I was 15. I, I was doing bits of training with with the under 18s and whatever. So I thought, oh, there must be some. So from being 16, I was like, <clears throat> Salford like, obviously we or before I was 16, Salford were saying, you know, we're going to give you a kind of a deal. You're going to get a contract. So from then, I was kind of like thinking I needed to go college and do something. But then when I found that out, I think it was like a three-year deal. I was like, actually, I'm all right for the next couple of years. So I, I kind of 
took me chances that I was actually going to end up all right. Cause if, if not, I would have had to start, you know, start to learn something at probably 18, 19 year old. But yeah, it's turned out not too bad at, at the moment. Um, just quickly before we hand over to Josh, um, I don't know whether you have or not. Um, obviously, next Friday, the, the fireworks display at, at the ground. Um, have you seen the new kits? I know they're getting released. Have you seen uh, Have you seen them? What do you think of them, if you have? Uh, I may have seen a sneak preview. I hope the club are not listening because I shouldn't have seen a sneak preview. But uh, no, I have I, I have seen the new kit uh, and they are very nice. Um, obviously, not as, not as nice as my testimonial kit. Course. But uh, <laughs> but no, they're, they're good. And you know what? To be fair, I think the the one good thing that Warrington's always added, they've always had good kits ever ever since I've been there. To be fair, they do usually. I don't know who picks them, but uh, they're quite good at it. And just one more for me on the questions that we've been asking. Obviously, you mentioned Stevie G. That's got to mean you're a Reds fan. I am a Reds fan, so uh, I've been really really smug this week. Exactly. <laughs> Same here. And. Uh, Obviously, I passed it to Josh and said who's actually a Preston fan. Uh, and obviously, we're both going to the game tonight. Uh, but one one final question, Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Messi all day. All day. All day. No, I, I just think 40 years, you know, I can't take nothing away from Ronaldo. He's, his goal scoring is absolutely phenomenal. He's, you know, from what he was as well, it, like the, the everyone speaks about how hard he trains, how hard he works, how hard he diets, all that sort of stuff. So, literally, cannot do nothing but but tip me out to him but when I look at Messi and just the stuff he does the the dribbling some of the balls he plays just just everything about him I just think you're unbelievable so yeah for me it's uh Messi Messi gets the nod yeah uh, I'm not gonna ask you what you think is gonna happen tonight North End Liverpool because I don't think I'm really looking forward to that one but um I've got a quick fire one and then sort of something I just want to touch on so uh if you could pick an ideal team to play on the first game of the season, who would it be? Well, uh, Wigan. Home or away? Away. Away. Is there a reason for that? Or just... just, like I said, being a Wigan, when I, when I go to Wigan, it's quite quite funny because, like I said, I, I couldn't tell you how many people I know in the stadium. So it's, you know, you go there, you're running down, you've got like... So I've got... Uh, my eldest daughter goes dancing, so she'll be the family you there. No, they they go to every game, so they'll be you know shouting you, waving at you. Then a lad of you know shouting you in a different type of wave to you. So, uh, but it's just I, I just enjoy because I know so many people there. It's just you know the crack even in warm up. You know you got people shouting you, people waving at you. So yeah, Wigan away is, is my favourite game by a mile. And. Um... I've read that you set up a business with um, one of your former teammates, uh, Matty Smith. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we did. Uh, we've actually not done anything in that for a, for a while. It was a few years ago, me and Matty got got talking. It was uh, just trying to help and put on an accession for, for kids, really, just trying to help develop kids a, a little bit more. Um, obviously, me and Matty have kind of done all right throughout our careers and whatever. We just thought that... Kind of something there to offer and, and try and help develop develop kids a little bit more maybe than what you know and no disrespect that you know the, the community coaches are, are unbelievable the, the art beat to the game we, you know without them you kind of we wouldn't have an amateur game we wouldn't get you know the next generation coming through so i'm not taking away from them but me and my scan just felt well we can possibly offer a little bit more in terms of kind of different bits of insights and 
different scenarios, what may play out and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yes, yeah, so we set up Future Stars. Um, we're actually really enjoying it. Uh, we had a couple of sites on the go and then Matty decided it was, you know, beneficial for him to go to France. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he, he went over there and we kind of put it on hold and, yeah, we've just not not picked it back up since since he's come back. We've We've actually still got... You know the business is still open it's still there and it's something we've said we may come back to in in the future at some point but uh no it was just something we, we thought we could give something back to the kids and and get involved and and that sort of stuff but yeah it's kind of on, on the back burner at the moment yeah and just touching on that is um is coaching something you'd want to get into after your career obviously starting now uh yeah i've done a few bits in the past i've done a bit a couple of bits with the academy and it's um it's something I do really, really enjoy doing the the physical side of or the practical side of coaching. Should I say, you know, being on field and figuring drills out and, like I said, you know, different insights into different situations and scenarios and all that. And kind of what what what's helped me kind of believe I, I had to know what I'm talking about was uh, this year. Obviously, Greg English was over, and for me, he's you know one of the one of the goats. He's unbelievable, and we was doing something, and I kind of. Again, I was saying about you know senior players. As you know, we have a bit of a voice, and we try and help and develop people. And, and the stuff I was saying, and I got chatting to Greg after I'd said it, and I was like, I look like a right fool here if I've said all this and explained this, and then Greg goes, No, I disagree with you, mate. It should be the other way around or whatever. And then I got chatting with Greg, and he's like, No, no, what you said was bang on it. So I, you know, kind of view what what you were saying, and, and I agree up with all the stuff you've said. So I was like, Oh, actually, I must know. I must know what I'm talking about. So the practical side of it really, really attracts me. But the thing that kind of puts me off is there's so much video analysis these days. It's just, I'm not the most tech-savvy person in the world anyway. So to sit and cut games, which I believe can take hours at a time, I just don't know at the moment if that's something I can get into unless you know anyone who's really tech-savvy and they could come and cut the video for me, then uh, I might consider it. I have to give our editor Benedict a shout for that one, Stefan. I just want to, we mentioned it earlier, I just want to touch on uh, your testimonial year. Can you just mention what, what have you got going on this year? Yeah, so it's uh, obviously really, oh, we, we think we've got a really exciting year. Obviously, it's a massive honour to, to get granted one, uh, to be honest. It was, like I said, when I, when I moved from Salford to the squad I was coming into at Warrington, we kind of, I think I signed a three-year deal when I come by, I'm like, you know what, with, with the team they've got, I'm, I might only be here a year or two years. So, like I said, to, to do 10 years, it's, um, you know, it's a massive honour and, you know, I'm really grateful. So, obviously, we had, we had the, the shirt reveal a few weeks ago, which went which went really well, a lot better than than I expected, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, we've got we've got quite a, a lot of events planned and, and we think we've got some really good ones. We've kind of got events for, for everyone, for the, you know, we've got some kids' events lined up. We've got some blokes only. We've got some... You know, women only. We've got a mixed bag, so yeah, we've got got a lot of stuff going on. We just uh, we we kind of know when we want to do them, but we just got to wait on on fixed dates really, so we can actually nail, you know, put the dates in and, and get them get them all boxed off. So yeah, it should be should be an exciting year. That's why I've been been sat here just drinking out my uh, Stephen Ratchford mug. So, uh, but no, it's you know we we've got a lot of stuff going on, and, and like I say, hopefully we can. You know, the sooner the fixtures get out, the sooner we can we can release and start start getting stuff booked in. 
So you're going to have a, a testimonial match? I know Chris Hill had one last year against Lee. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a testimonial match. Uh, again, we're just, that's kind of, has to be kept quiet for the for the moment. There's just a, a few finer details that need, need ironing out, but that'll be, you know, as usual, probably, I don't know, what was it, you know, like 10 days before the season starts, two weeks before the season starts, whatever it is. Uh, so, yeah, so that'll be then. So the game's almost done and booked and, and over the line. So, yeah, that, that'll be exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And then, like I said, the, the events that we've got got going on, we've got a real real mixed bag and it should be should be a fun year. Well, I was I was down at Chris Hill's testimonial last season, so I'll, I'll get down and we'll, we'll have coverage of yours on our platform as well. Ah, absolutely appreciate it. No, thank you very much. Uh, I'll just pass over back to Callan, who's got a couple more questions for you. Um, <clears throat> I just want to sort of touch on you know, Warrington as a community, obviously, the things they're doing with the, the physical disability rugby league, the, the learning disability rugby league. And I know you probably haven't been massively involved in that, but what's it sort of been like having that? that part of the club and, and the community of Warrington as a whole, just sort of touch on that and, you know, the fan base and just how good the outside parts of the club are. Yeah, they're brilliant. Um, one of the charities for the testimonial is the Warrington uh, Foundation. So when, when I first come, uh, literally one of the first things you learn about Warrington is when you come to the club it, is the foundation and what they do. And, you know, like I said, everything they do in the community, whether it's the LDRL, PDRL, getting into schools, coaching, doing summer camps, just whatever it is, they're literally non-stop. And if you've seen, if you've kind of seen the hours they work and what goes on behind the scenes to set up all the events to do, like I so said, whether it's the training camps, the weekend camps, the, you know, all, all the stuff they do, the, the people involved and there's so many people behind the scenes who you probably don't actually get to see or kind of like the heartbeat and not only do they do that but those people also help within the other side of the club as well and you know not nothing's ever too much for them um but no the the foundation are absolutely fantastic and we get um you know we, we will get some sessions where some of the um ldrl will come down or the pdrl will come down and they have a chat with us or we'll you know kind of try and do stuff with them that like I said, the club is, the whole club is just so like community orientated and, you know, family based and all that sort of stuff. So there is, we do get a bit of crossover with, with the LDRL, PDRL. And, you know, like I said, we've, you know, we, we'll go down and coach with a, you know, out in the community sometimes or we'll, uh, we did a couple of bits last year during lockdown where we went round and, you know, with the foundation, we delivered stuff to a, you know, people underprivileged people, or like I said, LDRL, and or just learning disabilities, whatever it is that, like I said, there's just so so much goes into what they do in, in the community, and you know, the, like I say, I, I can't speak high enough of them. And just to stick it on the learning disability, I know obviously there's two big names at Warrington celebrity faces. Adam Hills is one. He has a obviously plays for the LDR team, and also Stuart Pearce. Can you just Speak about what like the impact they have. I know Stuart Pace comes in the change room quite a bit and, and speaks to the lads as well. Yeah, uh like I say, Adam, uh, he's he's been massive actually for the for the PDRL. He's like I say he's kind of loved rugby league and never been able to do it. And like I say, what not what just Warrington have done, but you know, the 
kind of rugby league as a whole to set up the the PDRL or the LDRL and, and run teams and all that sort of stuff is is amazing. But Adam's been Adam's been brilliant. Like I say, you know, he he comes in. He's he's a ma- massive influence. You're kind of a, around the world with you know his last leg and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, and, and everything you mentioned is Warrington Wolves uh, PDRL rugby league in general. So he he's been absolutely massive. And like I say, Stuart PSEs. He's a you know real nice bloke. Met him first time I met him was was a few years back and was kind of like is that is that actually Stuart Pierce who's coming here at training? And he he, he did a talk for us um, at Padgate in one of the rooms and ever since then since I met him then he's like what would it be maybe maybe six years ago that possibly um, and ever since then he's and I, I can't remember what, what I've done I I've done something anyway I could, whatever it was. And then his phone number starts ringing me, and I'm really weird. I, I don't answer the phone to numbers I don't know. So I clicked it off, left it. Literally, phone call ended. 30 seconds later, message. Hey, Steph, Stuart Pierce, just give us a ring about it. And it was like something what had happened to me or whatever. And I was like, you know what? He had, he's like absolute football legend, England legend, you know, real, done really well in management, all that sort of stuff. And then next minute, he's ringing me, and I'm thinking, this bloke's actually. But he, he is that type of what, like, you could literally ring him and or whatever, I'll text him, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do this, or do you need this, or do you want this, or just whatever it is, like, again, not nothing's too much for, for Stuart, and, and neither it is for Adam, obviously, you've seen Adam did did a gig last week for, for really, I think the week before Stuart Pierce did a, a talk for really, so, like I said, not only are they, you know, really bought into rugby league, but the fans and the wider communities that they can get to as well is, is just absolutely unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, two great brooks in, in in what they do and also rugby league and possibly great to get them on here at some point. And just want to go as we close towards the end here, uh, Steph. There's a section that I like to introduce. Uh, I call the rugby league sevens. Uh, so it's a sevens team uh, that you choose from players you've played with throughout your career. Uh, the big choice really is if you're in the team yourself or are you are you going to be manager? Oh, sevens. It's really tiring sevens, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'll be manager. Okay, go on. Go on who's your sevens team? Uh, the sevens team, who would it be? Um, so what, do, what do we need in sevens? Start off with fullback. Who's your fullback? Fullback, who have I got? No, do I go for... Oh, I've got Carl, Carl Fitz, who's now chief exec. So I should probably put him in or he might sack me. But... <laughs> No, he, he's not making a list. I've got Brett Audrey was absolutely unbelievable ball player and just kind of knew everything. Or we've got Matty Ashton for how fast he is. You crossing Greg in there? Uh, well, he did do half an hour there, didn't he? So I should probably. Uh, no, I'll, I might put Greg at centre. Actually, now you mentioned him. Well, I'll go Matty at fullback. Why he's so fast? All right. Who's your Who's your two wingers? Two wingers. Uh, Joel Monaghan definitely. And then who've I got? I've got Charners, Tommy Lynham, the pig. You can be anyone international as well that you played with. Oh, international as well. Oh, that's a make it even harder for you. Throw a spanner in the works. Who? Really have the Jez, Ryan Hall, 
Tommy Merkinson. Oh, that's a tough choice, that. I think, because it's going to be fast and very tiring, I'm going for Tommy Merkinson. Uh, okay. And you, so you, you're putting Greg at centre? Uh, see, it's a tough one, that really. I should put him in the. What is it? How he played when I knew, or is it what he's done? How good he it's it's what it's it's your team really, Steph. You, you can choose. All right, well, Greg's going to have to make it then. He's okay. in. Uh, so who's your big man? And then the big man would have to be. Uh, how many? How many have we got left? Three. Yeah, you need two big men and uh, a half. Two big men. Uh, it's got to be Hilly. Yeah. Because he, I'm, I'm thinking fitness here because Hilly is fit as out and he's actually really fast. Uh, and one who's even fitter and even faster is probably Adrian Morley. Oh, no, no. Oh. Tough choice, this actually. Ben Westwood not going in there. Well, I'm thinking I've got Benny Westwood. <laughs> I've got Sam Burgess. <clears throat> oh. James Graham as well. He's really fit, actually. Mm. It's actually really tough. No, I'm going. No, oh. oh. I'm going to have to go away The other one's a really tough choice now. Where am I going? We'll let you put some on the bench if you want. Yeah, yeah put some on the bench. We'll, we'll, we'll start with. Uh, we'll start with Illy, Illy and Sam Burgess, actually. Okay. And who's, your, who's, your, who's your final player in the halves? In the halves. I don't really want to put him in, but I feel like I'm going to have to, just because it's very... I think he might have to be... Oh. So you've got Gaz and George, you've got Blake. I think he might have to be Breezy, you know. Yeah. I don't like him now, though. He's got Wigan, so I don't really want to put him in. <laughs> we actually do help just on picking a sevens team here, can we? Yeah. A very, very strong sevens team, that anyway. Yeah, that's good, Blaze. Yeah, and uh, just before I pass back to Cal, um, one question I've liked, I like to ask, uh, I've seen it recently, so I've, I've included it in the podcast. If I gave you four years to train for events at the Olympics, it can either be the uh, Winter Olympics or the Olympics, what event would you choose? <laughs> um, it's not like a... I can help if you want. Danny Walker went for weightlifter. Harvey Levet went for swimmer, so there's a couple of ideas for you. Yeah, do you know why Danny Walker picks weightlifting? Go on. Because when he if he does like a snatch or whatever, he said he only has to lift it about that far over his eggs. His arms are so small, so that that's why. Uh, it'd have to be something like. Hmm, like a fifteen hundred meters or something. Yeah, a bit long distance. No, no, I'll cancel. I'm getting old now. I don't want that. Uh, <laughs> at the Olympics, sort of a fun. It can be bike. You got bike if you want. If you interested, if you like that. Uh, what, what have we got at Winter Olympics? How come like a? Has he just done it? Greg Rutherford. Is he like becoming a bobsledder or something? I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I might. I might join him. Or skier. I might be a skier actually. Yeah. Yeah, 
Don't not the ski jump though, like a slalom skier. Right. That's a that's a new one. That's, that's the first time someone's chose that one. Skier. Good choice, good choice. Right, we'll pass back over to Cal. Yeah, well, we've sort of we've we've uh, reached the end of the podcast, and uh, it's, it's been a fantastic episode. Good insight from yourself. Um, but like I say, that is it for this episode of the of the Rugby League Review podcast in association with Prost International. We hope you've enjoyed it once again. We'll have some more guests for you in the coming weeks, but we'd just like to thank Steph for his time, congratulate him on the testimonial, wish him luck for the testimonial and for next season with the Warrington Wolves. Thanks to Ethan and Josh. I'm your host, Callum Insel, and we'll see you again next time.